give them out to other people. I told you last week, if, if I, if money was no object, I'd buy every one of you a copy of Four Chair Discipling and I'd put it in your hands because that's how much I believe in, in what Dan Spader wrote and had to say through that. But we're going to talk this week about bearing fruit. Um, we're going to go a little deeper. We talked last week about the, the four chairs and, and come and see and come and follow me and be a fisher of men. But then the last chair then is be a disciple maker, make disciples. And so I want to focus and hone in on that. Alan was telling me this morning, I'll always be the whip preacher, uh, right? Because uh, crack came and crafted the whip the first week. But I, I, this don't, in my mind, these are not separate messages, right? These really do work together because if, if Main Street Baptist Church wants to make a sonic boom in Georgetown, it's going to be by doing this right here. And it's not just this right here. When we get down to it, it's this right here. Amen? And, and so I just want to, and, and so I, I started to say this a minute ago, most of us have not had somebody come and take us by the hand and walk with us for 18 months or 24 months or 36 months. Most of us haven't done that, right? But just because somebody never did it for you doesn't mean that you can't now do it for somebody else. Amen? I'll just... I've told my wife this growing up, and I didn't have this in my sermon notes today. My real dad uh, was killed. He worked for HLNP down in Houston, and he was electrocuted to death. And so I grew up without a dad. He, he died when I was just a couple years old, so I really have no memories of him. And then I do have a, a, a stepsister, um, you know, different dad, same mom. And uh, so, and, and her dad was killed when I was about five years old, so kind of grew up. Without a dad, that's, you know, I talked about my granddad a whole lot. So I've told my wife before, I, I don't know how to be a dad. I, I really didn't have a dad. My granddaddy was my father figure, but I didn't have, but you know what? I, I, I feel like I've done an okay job. They both graduated from A&M, right? They're both still in church. And what I'm so proud of today, and I'm going to share a little bit more about this next week, I gave this book to my girls and told them about it. And both of them now are making disciples in Bryan College Station, making disciples for Jesus Christ. Not just indoctrinating them in Aggie lore and culture, right? So anyway... So I've got an image. I don't know if this is the best image or not, but any botanist in the room today? I know we've had some engineers. No botanist in the room. Can anybody tell me what kind of tree this is? You're laughing. What did somebody say? A green tree? <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. It does have green leaves on it. Without it so this is a fruit-bearing tree. Okay, I'll give you a hint that much, right? But without the fruit hanging on it, it's kind of hard to tell what kind of tree it is. Now, I don't know if if this is the same apple that would come from that kind of tree. I picked this one up at HEB this morning, right? And so this is a rave apple. It's a new apple. My favorite apples are, are, are red delicious apples, right? But they didn't have any red delicious apples. So, But if this was hanging on that tree, you'd be able to say clearly it's an apple tree, right? And I kind of ran that all together. You'd clearly be able to say that it's an apple tree, right? Right. Um, 
but without any fruit hanging on it. You just look at the picture of the tree and say, well, you know, I don't know. It's a green tree. It's got leaves on it. We should be known by the fruit that we bear. Amen. Not because Jason Bryant says so, but because of what the Bible says. So Matthew 28, 18, we've talked about this last week. I'm going to keep hitting it because this is what Jesus told us to do. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything, not just teaching them, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And then we know what he says. I'm with you to the end of the age. So Jesus has commanded his followers, his disciples to make disciples. So we're going to talk about producing fruit. It is important for us to produce fruit. And so if you've got your Bible, I encourage you to turn to John chapter 15. And in John chapter 15, I, I can't encourage you enough. Go back this week. So I know nobody likes it when you get homework, right? But your homework this week is to go back and read the full chapter of John uh, 15. Uh, because it, as Jesus is talking there... There's just, and, and I'm going to kind of pick, you know, we're going to skip a little bit here and there, but, but let's go ahead and start out in verse one. This is what Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse one. He says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off. Now, now look, you need to listen to this this morning. Listen to what Jesus is saying. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Now let's just pause right there for a second. Some of us as Christ followers, and I used to do this as well, uh, especially before God revealed this to me. When we're talking about producing fruit today, and he cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit, we're not talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we should have that fruit in our lives because we have a relationship with Him and the Holy Spirit is indwelling our lives. But that is the fruit of the Spirit. Absolutely. So that is the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in us. How do you know that that tree was an apple tree? Because it produces apples. We're talking about as followers of Jesus Christ, we should produce other disciples. So hear what Jesus says here. I'm the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. So if you're producing fruit, he wants you to produce even more. And then skip down to verse 6. Anyone who doesn't remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered and piled in a pile to be burned. I'm just the messenger this morning. Don't, don't hate on Jason, right? But in fact, I was sharing somebody. I knew I was preaching on this this week and I was uh, sharing this verse with somebody and they said, preacher, we don't talk about that verse. Uh, but Jesus is serious about making disciples. Um, have any of you either growing up or now been in the cattle business? I, I know I'm not. Okay, one, maybe one or two. 
Um, so some of the rest of you, I grew up around agriculture. I grew up around livestock. It's kind of who God has made me to be. So when I'm thinking about things, a lot of times God gives me illustrations. So if you haven't been in the cattle business or, or ever been around raising dairy cattle or beef cattle, um, not so much around dairy cattle, but especially around beef cattle, when a rancher has calves, they produce calves, right? Some calves are bull calves. Some calves are heifer calves, right? And so a rancher doesn't expect a two-month-old heifer calf to produce another calf yet, right? And that would be because she hasn't reached maturity yet, right? She She's not mature enough to produce another calf. But if that heifer calf gets to be about 18 to 24 months old, he expects that heifer calf to conceive and give birth in nine months to a calf, either a bull calf or another heifer calf, right? And those of you who have had cattle in the past, how long do you give a heifer calf to produce another calf before she's going to go down the road? Most ranchers are going to say a year or two, especially for a new calf, you know, some... And, and you have to take the, the various breeds of cattle. Uh, some cattle mature and get to maturity a little quicker and, and will conceive and produce a calf a little quicker. Some breeds, it takes them a little bit longer. But there's no rancher in the world that's going to continue to let that heifer that has never produced a calf, because you realize that's the difference between a heifer and a cow, Right? A heifer has never produced a calf. A cow, on the other hand, has produced offspring. And so, actually, a lot of ranchers, once a heifer has had one calf, they will call it a first calf heifer. Because it's really not a cow until it's produced its second offspring without any trouble and raising it and and all that stuff. And so a lot of ranchers will refer to heifers who have just produced one time as a first calf heifer. So I'm not holding that to the scripture, right? I'm not saying you got to at least produce two. But Jesus is very clear that he wants us to produce fruit. He wants us, and, and apple trees do not produce oranges. Avocado trees do not produce lemons. So if I were to take, I, uh, I flew in from Midland uh, last night, and so I didn't have my pocket knife, but fortunately I had left it in the car. It's one of those things. Uh, you know, if I take this apple, ooh, it is juicy. I was reading about it online, and they say they're juicy apples. If I take this apple and I cut it, there's a seed right there, right? Now, Georgetown, Texas, Palestine, Texas, man, this looks really good. I want to take a bite, but then I wouldn't be able to preach. Um, our area, our climate might not be the right type of climate, right? You have to be in the right area and that kind of stuff. But if I took one of these seeds, I might very well could get an apple tree to start growing, right? A whatever this, a rave apple tree. But really, eventually, I want that tree. Now, I can't expect it when it's this tall to produce any apples, right? But when it gets as tall as this building... In fact, do you remember in the scripture when Jesus walked by the fig tree one day and he cursed it because it had no figs on it and it died? 
Jesus is serious about us producing fruit. And, and so that's, I just want to relay to you, this is not a burden of Jason Bryant on Jason Bryant's. Of course, God has put this burden on my heart, but Jesus is passionate about making and producing disciples. And he wants us to be passionate about making and producing disciples. So not only are we supposed to produce fruit, but we're supposed to produce much fruit. Look at John 15 and verse 4. You can look on the screen or, or, or uh, look in your Bible if you have it with you. And of course, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Jesus says this, Remain in me and I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. So we can't do it on our own. That's, that's pretty simple. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce a little fruit, will produce a piece of fruit. No, he says, if you remain in him and he remains in you, you will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. In verse 8, it says this, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. And look at what he says in verse 16, if you skip down there. You didn't choose me, I chose you. In the seventh grade, I actually got put into an eighth grade PE class. Do you know what it's like to get picked last every time? <laughs> it's, it's pretty demoralizing. So as the seventh grader, and I've never been the most athletic, I've always, I kind of, so in... Fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, and eighth grade, I wore size 34 pants, but they were 34, 34. And then when I got into high school, I finally wore 34, 38. So I just kind of grew up into them, right? But I had always kind of been stocky. So anyway, it just stinks when you're picked last. It's demoralizing. Jesus didn't pick you last. He saw you and said, I desire to have a relationship with you. And when you mature in me, understand Jesus didn't expect those disciples as soon as they moved from chair one to chair two. He didn't say, okay, it's time to produce fruit. No, he poured into them for three years. And then after he went to the cross, he told them, go and make disciples. And that's what we're called to do as well. We're called to make disciples. I put it up there again on the sermon notes because I just, to me, we can't go back to it enough. Matthew 28, Jesus said to them, all authority has been given on heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Go and make disciples of all the nations. So we're not only supposed to produce fruit, we're supposed to produce, produce much fruit, but then we're supposed to produce lasting fruit. Luke chapter 6 in verse 40, it says this. This isn't in your sermon notes. Um, you might want to write this down. Luke chapter 6 in verse 40. Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. The student who is fully trained. The student, if you look at the Greek there, it can mean also the student who is equipped. 
Some of, that might be one of the excuses that we might use, right? Well, I'm not fully trained enough. Some of you out there today, you're fully trained enough to identify somebody and take them by the hand. Maybe they're a new believer in Jesus Christ. Maybe they're a few years old, but you know, but the expectation is we as followers of Jesus Christ, we as disciples of Christ, we need to intentionally invest in the lives of others. So I'll just say when, when I came to know the Lord, if you would ask me, how is the disciple made? Well, people come to church and people go to Sunday school and people come to church on Wednesday night and they hear sermons and they read their Bible. I'm not saying any of those things are wrong, but look at the New Testament. What did Jesus do? How did he model making disciples? When Jesus preached, I was talking with somebody, you know, they didn't have the Holy Spirit they didn't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit at that time like we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit hadn't came and indwelt the hearts of all believers yet. But how many times did Jesus teach something and his disciples said, Man, Jesus, what are you talking about? And so Jesus had to take that teaching and he sat down with the twelve and he said, Let me break it down for you. Let me help you apply this to your daily life. Now Jesus had twelve, Right? I wouldn't begin to try to take on 12 people. That's, uh, life is busy, right? But if it's important to Jesus, it ought to be important to us. And we need to start carving out a little time in our life that we might take one or two or three people. And, and, And that's the great thing. If you're meeting with two or three people, it doesn't have to be all individually. You know, sometimes we can learn from what's going on in other people's lives and the questions that they have. But there's got to be that intentionality that we'll sit down with other people's, other people's, other people. You know, and once again, I'm not saying that Sunday school or small groups, I kind of thought for a while until I read this book, I'm, I'm honest with you. I just got, well, small groups, we make disciples in small groups. Small groups and Sunday school classes are great. But sometimes they don't have that intentionality, right? People can sit in the periphery of the room and never be involved. When there's just one or two people sitting there, you really look people eyeball to eyeball and say, well, you know, we talked this week about producing fruit. Are you producing any fruit? Do you have somebody that you're... We can talk about it in Sunday school, right? And we all, we give the biblical answers, right? There's one, you know, there's a difference between Christian education and disciple making. And we as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to differentiate. And I'm not saying we do away with Christian education. I'm not saying we do away with small groups. I'm not saying we do away with Sunday school. Don't hear me say that. I'm not that radical of a guy, right? But I am saying we need to get back to doing because... Like I said last week, we produce more disciples on accident in the church today than we do on purpose. And so we as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to focus on things that are going to last for eternity. 
and investing in somebody else's life that has just come to know Jesus Christ or needs to mature a little bit more so that they can... Because that's the difference between addition and multiplication, right? And that's really what we're going to talk about more next week. So now I've let the cat out of the bag again. Some of you aren't going to show up right now. He's still going to be preaching on this next week. It's the difference between addition and multiplication. And, and we need to produce lasting fruit. When I came to know Jesus Christ in 1996, I might have said this the first Sunday I was here. One of the scriptures that I read in my quiet time, I I was really struggling. I started working with the youth about six months after I came to know the Lord. And they wanted to hire a youth minister. They didn't want to just hire a youth worker. They, They felt strongly that they wanted somebody who felt called to the ministry. And I didn't know what that meant, but I read that. I know I told this to you a couple weeks ago. I read one morning, morning, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Devote yourself fully to the work of the Lord, for you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. There are a lot of things that we do in this life that aren't going to amount to a hill of beans when we get to eternity. I can give you an example. I told you I grew up around agriculture and that kind of stuff, so I bale a little bit of hay, right? Have any of y'all seen the the big round rolls sitting out in the pasture, right? I don't mess with that little square stuff. That's way too much work. There's a lot more money in that, but it's way too much work. You got to have a barn to store it in. So my wife and I, we have the equipment and we have a few acres and so we fertilize it and we spray it for weeds and we don't own any cattle ourselves, but we sell the hay to other people. And I'm going to tell you, when it gets time to cut hay every year, you really intensify your prayer life, right? Because when you cut down that hay, you don't want it to rain. I mean, we're praying for rain right now. Um, if you know people that are in, in the, the agriculture industry right now, this drought in Texas is getting pretty bad. And, um, and, and so, but, and, and nobody in Texas prays against rain whatever time of the year it is, right? But when you're cutting hay, you pray, Lord, it can rain all around that 20 acres, but Lord, please don't let it rain on that 20 acres. Because if the hay gets wet, it has to lay in the field longer. The longer it lays in the field, the less green it is. When you bale it up, it loses some of its uh, protein and nutrient value and all that kind of stuff. And so, and not only when you cut it down, not wanting to get rained on, but then you've got all these gears and all these chains that uh, move around on that baler and the motors on the tractors and you start praying, Lord, please let all the parts of this baler and this tractor keep moving because it's not if you're going to break down when you're baling hay, it's when you're going to break down. You bale hay long enough, you're going to be out in the field and something's going to come apart. And so I tend to get a little stressed out, right, when, when hay season comes. And I shouldn't get stressed out about it, right, because... That hay's not going to be there next year. It's not going to be there in 10 years. It's not going to be there in a 100 years. But I get all bent out of shape wanting to make sure that I get it bailed up and that it's pretty so that I can sell it. Y'all get what I'm going with? We get all out of sorts. I don't know what it might be for you. It could be work. It could be family issues. Now, I'm not saying work and family issues and all that stuff aren't important. But sometimes, uh, for a lot of us, it's, it's you know, how much money we make and can I afford to get this vehicle or can I afford to get... And I, once again, not that all those things aren't important, but in the scope of eternity, we need to carve out a little more time to devote ourselves 
to investing in others intentionally that we might produce lasting fruit in their lives and they in turn might be able to produce lasting fruit in somebody else's life. I told you about the one book that I read by Will Mancini. He said this, we were made to reproduce, not to recruit. And just think about that this week. Sometimes that's more of what we do in church. We just recruit more than we reproduce. You know, it's it's all about producing a disciple is about showing someone, about coaching someone. But then at some point, you have to kind of turn them over and challenge them. Because if somebody, if you, if you coach somebody, right, you coach them and you try to explain. But sometimes if you turn somebody else loose and say, okay, you go find somebody younger than you or somebody who knows less than you and you coach them. Because sometimes when you're teaching things to other people, the light bulb goes off and you just learn in a way that you never experience as a learner. But when you're the leader, you just learn in a whole nother way. And I think that's why we've handicapped ourselves sometimes as followers of Jesus Christ is we're just, we, 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 we learn as a learner, but we don't learn as a leader. And we're supposed to learn as a leader as well. And some of you might say, Jason, you just don't know my background. You just don't know I'm not a preacher. Jesus wasn't talking to preachers. He was talking to all his disciples. He doesn't just expect preachers and those called to the ministry and those called to the mission field to make disciples. If he just expected that, we're never going to reach everybody for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He expects every one of us to produce fruit. So I just want to encourage you. Um, don't don't fall into the lies of the devil because the lie the, the devil will try to deceive you. He'll try to say you don't know enough. Uh, you know you've got things from your past. Hogwash, right? That's that's some good educated language right there. Hogwash. You didn't choose God. God chose you, and He wants you to produce lasting fruit. Let me pray with us this morning. Lord, we come to you today, and we just thank you for this time that we have together. Lord, uh, I know today's message is challenging. Uh, Lord, I know it's uh, it's kind of different because we've kind of lost sight of what it means to intentionally pour our lives into others. Lord, I know you want to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or imagine here in Georgetown and here at Main Street. And I'm fully convinced that part of that is Main Street falling in love, being devoted, whatever the words we can use, to making disciples. And uh, so, Lord, we just ask you to help us. Lord, we don't want to be... Hearers of the word, we want to be doers of the word. We don't want to just talk about it. We want to practice it. So help us to pray this week about somebody that we can start intentionally discipling. And Lord, in everything, we'll be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.